0: How are we doing, Mr. Belvedere? Uh, I think I got some carpet burn on my big toe. That's what I'm talking about. No pain, no gain. But I'm allergic to pain. Well, then you better take it in histamine, Topanga. You see, friends, the Bible also says about the armor of God that we must be gritted with the belt of truth. I think it's girded. Hmm? Uh, my girded. Past- my pastor pronounces it girded, but then again, he makes up his sermons every Sunday morning on the spot, so what does he know? Well, tomato, tomato. Either way, you're going to have to lose those football pants. Excuse me? You heard me. Lose the caprice, Curly Sue. It hurts when you call me a girl's name. I don't care what it hurts. I need you to take off the football pants and get off the <laughs> island, Marianne. I'd rather be Ginger. How are we doing, Cupcake? My bum is bummed out. Pardon my French. Stop it. You're fine, you're fine. No apology necessary. Now, my friends, this is where my little analogy about the armor of God kind of breaks down because in Ephesians 6, it talks about the sword of the Spirit 3. I figured y'all might like that. Y'all like that? You know, the skid guys are hilarious. Uh, As he is trying to help us to understand and to see uh, the importance of protection and importance of the armor of God that we find in Ephesians or yeah, in Ephesians chapter six. And we're gonna be looking at verses ten through thirteen for you this morning. And I want to talk to you about the belt of truth. So I have a belt here. Yes sir. Go ahead. Amen. Yes. Amen. We talking about the armor of God, but remember the first uh, you know 5 or you know the first uh, you know 5 chapters and part of chapter 6 is telling us how we're supposed to live. But then Ephesians will be closed with us knowing and letting us know that God is the one that's there for us and that we can't live the life that we truly need to live without the Holy Spirit living within us, guiding us and directing us. And we do, we worship the God that has all things in control. So... The importance in what we have with the belt. Y'all like my belt? I'm glad y'all like my belt. So whenever we think about this, it's a nice belt. I don't use it for what it's designed for. Do y'all know what this belt's designed for? Yeah, it's a weightlifting belt. I don't lift weights. I want y'all to know that. I I don't lift weights. Now, of course, some of you might also be right now saying, well, Pastor, that's because you're putting it on wrong. Well, it also works as a pretty good girdle. It sucks in that, no, let me stop messing around. So whenever we think about this, I'm not going to try to put it on. Y'all know what it looks like. Whenever we think about this, I want us to remember that Paul is writing this to believers, right? He's writing this to the church, and in the church, he is telling us and giving us instructions as far as how we are supposed to live our lives. Now, I want you to see something because... He comes in here, and he begins this part with the armor of God, and he starts off, and he says, if you're looking in the New Living Translation, it says, a final word, so he's giving us the final instructions. If you look at the NASB, it says, finally, and then whenever we see this, it's like we get these instructions. And then he automatically assumes. Once you get this, he automatically either assumes, thinks, or just simply implies that everything that he has given to us prior to this, we are now going to do it. Right? He's told us how we're supposed to live as Christians and what we're supposed to do and how our life is supposed to be. And then he says, finally, or now that you are doing this, this is what's going to happen to you. So I want us to think about this. I want you to see this. Because if we are believers in Christ, then we should be walking worthy of the call. And if we're walking worthy of the call we would be able to have these rather-than statements that we have. Let me read these to you. In humility rather than pride, I'm going to walk, I'm going to live in humility rather than pride. I'm going to walk in unity rather than individualism. I'm going to walk in my new self rather than my old self. I'm going to walk in love, not in lust. I'm going to walk in light, not in darkness. I'm going to walk in God's wisdom, not in foolishness. I'm going to walk in the fullness Of the Spirit of God rather than in drunkenness. I'm gonna walk in mutual submission rather than self serving and independence. I'm gonna walk in absolute trust of God and in certainty. With him, not in opposition to him. Now, if we do that, if we walk in these rathers, if we live the life that God has really called us to live, do you think that we would not receive opposition. Right? If we're living the way that God would have us to live what do you think you like? Come on let's think about this because we are living opposite to the world. Our life is supposed to shine for Christ not being a part of the world. We're we're talking about and we should be living in unity, not discord. Not really what the world is going about, right? Man, just, just think about the arguments and stuff that's in the world now. We have all of these fractions are fractions within this United States because it's got to be their way, right? It can't be that we get along together because we have an understanding that as individuals, you see something in one way and someone else sees the same thing in another way But if they don't see it exactly the way that you do, then they don't agree with what you agree with. Therefore, they don't love you or they're your enemy or they have odds against you. Right? You hear everyone talk about, uh, you know, how great the United States is. Right? Come on. You know, we do that. You know, that's been, uh, you know... All this going, you know, the United States is the best place to live, right? We have people from other countries coming over to the United States so that they could live a better life than what they had in their country. That's why they're coming here, right? But whenever they get here, if we don't do the things the way that they used to do it, then they are up in arms and at odds with the way we are or who we are. There's division. Do you kind of understand that within the church, as as large, at large, okay, that somewhere around 70% of the people that come to church, that sit in church and profess to be Christians, believe that everybody's going to go to heaven? Are we so afraid to label sin as sin and love the person enough that we're going to help them to come out of the bondage of sin or are we just simply going to sit back and say, Oh, you do you, I'm going to do me, right? Is that what we're going to do? That's not what Paul's talking about here. Paul's going to tell us, Paul tells us, that if you live the life that a Christian is supposed to live, if you live it the way that it's supposed to be lived, you will face opposition. Right? And then he goes in and he talks about, right, in in the first part of the armor of God, it says where the battle comes from. The battle's not flesh and blood, but it's the principalities of the air. It's the, it's the unseen, it's the spirit. How many of you have somehow, way, believed that since it's a spiritual battle, you're not involved in it? As soon as you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit comes into you, you have become a part of that battle. Now, can I also give you this? Now, you know, I hate to say this, but it's true that whenever you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you enter into that battle, you will be in a battle against Satan and against the spiritual world for the rest of your life. How many of you accidentally watched a football game yesterday? And when I say an accident, because most of y'all don't watch football, so y'all might have been flipping through and paused on it for a second or so, something like that. But the thing about it is, is that football is divided into four quarters or in two halves. You can't just simply fight and battle in one half and expect to win, and if you don't battle in the second half. If you're not in a battle today, you need to check your heart. Because either Satan has you, or you are so complacent that he's not worried about you. Because if not, he's going to be battling against you because your job Our job is to bring and to invite as many people as we can into the kingdom of God so that the kingdom of God grows. And Satan's job is to grow the kingdom of hell and make it bigger and bigger and bigger. So we are at odds against each other. If you're doing what you're supposed to do, he's going to be battling against you. Don't check out on me because I know a lot of you are saying, well, I didn't sign up for that battle. Yeah, you did. But within this battle, we also have to understand that Jesus Christ has already won. Right? But we're still in the battle because He hasn't came back again. We're already there, but not yet. I'm already in the kingdom of God but not yet. I'm already living this eternal life, but not yet. Right? So in all of this, Paul then gives us this, and he says, okay, he says, for you to be ready for this battle, number one, you need to understand where it's coming from. Number two, you need to put on the armor of God to be able to make it through it. You remember two Sundays ago I told you that the 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 correct translation of this would be that we put on God. Not the armor of God, but we, we put on God. Right? So we, we see this in wow. We're we're in the battle. And the first thing that we find in this battle is is that Paul tells us that we need to gird ourselves with truth. Let's read here, and I'm going to read from the NASB for you this morning. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Let's stop there and say, can I have everybody say schemes? Just simply because I like the way that word sounds. It, it, schemes. Can you say that again? Schemes. Okay, so these we are fighting against the schemes of the evil one. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the, forces, the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places therefore take up the full armor of god so that you will be able to resist on the resist on the evil day and have having done everything to stand firm so we're standing firm because we recognize where the battle is, and who the battle is against. And we've gone into that, and we've talked about that several other times throughout this, uh, you know, through the series, and that we're dealing with this. And we look into verses 14, and dealing with verses 14, it says, Stand your ground, put on the belt of truth, and the body armor of, of God's righteousness. So we're dealing with the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Why do you think Paul starts off with the belt of truth? Why would you think that Paul would start off there? There's several things that we can get into and, and I'll, I'll help you through this. But whenever we think about this in a belt of truth, the truth that we have that is girded around us or that is around us is the Word of God. That is truth. Okay? Now, the reason why it's the first thing that we put on is because Satan is the father of truth. Oh, oh, no, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Satan is the father of lies. So we wear the belt of truth. The first thing that we must put on is the belt of truth because if not, then we will stumble because the father of lies is telling us all the things that are wrong. But see, I want you to see the importance of this because whenever we go back to Adam and Eve and we go back to the lie that Satan gave Adam and Eve, it had some truth in it, didn't it? Oh. Schemes. Satan can tell a lie that is so close to the truth that if we don't truly know the word of God, that we will think that it is truth. I don't, I don't think you understand that you, you, you truly need to grasp what this is. Right, there are false teachers. Scripture tells us there will be false teachers that comes into the church. False teachers will not enter into the church by denying the gospel and telling you up front that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God. They're going to come in and they're going to begin to deceive the ones that are here, and giving them. Half-truths. Hopefully, whenever I preach to you, you have the scripture in front of you and you check it out. Right? Because Satan is there telling lies. Hasn't Satan convinced some of the other denominations and some other churches and stuff that it's okay to have same sex marriages? Yes. Satan has woven his way in on this. What about What about alcohol? See, Jesus turned water into wine, right? But he also talked about drunkenness. He, he also talks in Scripture about not being under the influence of anything else than the Holy Spirit. Oh, wait a minute. Well, that, that kind of brings in drugs too, right? Hmm. How many states nowadays says it's okay for marijuana? Is it, is it right because they say that it's right? The schemes of Satan. If we don't know the truth. We will fall to the schemes, to the lies of Satan. But what about about all these other things that that we deal with? Yes, you know, we, we we deal with, you know, those are just a couple of things that that's there that just kind of sticks out on the top of our tongues and stuff, right? Because it's, it's at the forefront. We don't want to get into gluttony, do we? That group had a chef come and cook for them last week. That chef sent me half of a cheesecake. Mmm. Mm. Mm. Man. Man, it was so tempting. Now, he also sent cherries along with that cheesecake. So y'all know where I'm at, right? Peggy was gone for over half of the week, so I didn't have anybody to cook for me. What do you think happened to that cheesecake? Cheesecake Mm. The belt of truth. So it's important for us to have the belt of truth on because we need to make sure that we are prepared to handle the lies of Satan and the schemes that he will bring before us. Right? We, we need to know the word of God. But See, there's, there's also another reason why we have the belt of truth. One of the things that we have to do in, in dealing with this is that there, there's this, this word gird or girded. Okay? I I went and looked at the definition for this, okay? So it says gird or girded, okay? It encircles a person or part of the body with a belt or a band. So that's what girding is. So it is something that encircles the body to help to band or to hold that body into place. Or, or and, it prepares oneself for something difficult. We we gird ourselves. Why do weightlifters put on this belt? Support. Because they're going to be lifting up heavy objects, right? Okay? So this is a belt to support you. Because Satan's attack is going to be coming against you. And remember, he says, finally, or stand. And he tells us that we're supposed to stand firm. If you don't have a firm foundation, as in the truth, are you really going to be able to stand firm? But whenever you look at your body and you look at your body's makeup, okay, If you don't have the belt of truth on that is girded your inner part or your, your center part of your body, then you are weak at your foundation. Your lower back gives strength to your foundation as well as strength to your upper body. If your lower back is weak, then you're not going to be able to stand firm against Satan and against the attacks because your upper body strength is not going to be what it needs to be. Now also, whenever we're talking about the girding or we're talking about the standing to stand firm, we also have to look about the position as in which we are going to stand. There again, I don't have that many athletes out there, so please bear with me and, and kind of just go along and say, "Yes, Pastor, I understand that. I'll try my best to, to give you this and to help you out with this." Uh, you know, because whenever you're talking about it, and, and let's the World Series is going on, okay? So let's talk about the, you know, about the players and stuff that's playing baseball. I, I used to play shortstop. So, whenever I was in high school, in college, and I played shortstop, you, you had to have a good foundation. Okay, your feet had to be a certain length apart, and you had to be down low so that you could grab the uh, you know the ground balls. But you couldn't be too far apart. If your legs were too far apart, then you didn't have any mobility to the right or to the left to be able to get the ground ball by running to it. So your stance has to be proper and your stance can't be proper if you don't have the belt that is holding firm your lower back and keeping your upright so that you can have the right firm stance to be able to receive the attack or to receive the ball that's hit to you, you won't be able to handle it. It's just like the football linemen or the running backs, if their center is, is not there, then their gravity, their center gravity, then they will be able to be knocked over fairly easy. Right? So our center part and being girded with the truth, although the truth is important, but if we're not girded with the truth, then our foundation and our ability to stand firm for Christ is not what it needs to be. But then we also have to think about the people that this was, this was written to. Because back in those days and in that culture, they wore tunics. And tunics were long uh, you know, robes. We would call them robes, but they called them tunics. And they were long. And whenever they had to run or whenever they were in battle, they would have these things and they couldn't have them loose. If they were loose, then it would cause danger for them where someone would be able to grab it and jerk it and knock them down or anything like that. So what they would do is is that they would take it and they would tuck it into the belt of truth so that it would stand firm or that it would be firm and it wouldn't be around their legs so that they wouldn't be able to actually fight the battle. It also makes it to where it's not loose so that Satan can get a hold to it and then actually hurt us or tear us down or knock us down because that tunic is loose. So does all of this make sense for you? So let's bring this into scripture in spiritual wise because there again if we are fighting against Satan and against the schemes of the world then we have to have the truth not only in our head but in our heart that we can stand firm to that, but we also must gird ourselves so that we have the right foundation with this and the girding of ourselves is actually trusting the truth to do what it says that it will do. We have to trust in the word of God, the truth, and apply it to our lives so that we can stand in firmness and do what, what he has for us to do. So we look at this. and this morning we understand. That we're living this life. Of humility. Of love. For God. And in doing that. We're going to receive opposition. But we must be ready to receive that opposition by knowing the truth. Because there again, Satan can lie and can scheme in our lives and make things look as if they're truth whenever they're not. Satan tells us that if you live this way everything's still going to be okay. Right? That little sins not going to bother you you know all that much. That's really not sin. You know God just doesn't want you to enjoy that cheesecake. The schemes of Satan, if we don't know, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. We've got to know the truth and trust in God. So this morning, check your heart. Is there a lie or something in your life that Satan has put in there that seems to be right? But whenever we put it up against the truth, the word of God we know that it's wrong? Do we need to repent of that today? The only way that we can stand is to stand girded with the truth.